Football is about to make its long-anticipated return to living rooms all across America. That means bragging rights and huge cash prizes are up for grabs at DraftKings, the leader in one-week fantasy sports. For the season opener, DraftKings is hosting a fantasy football contest that is $10 to enter and has a $1 million top prize. But for a limited time only, if you sign up with code SVP today, DraftKings will give you a free entry with your first deposit. Think about that, guys. It's just free, so that's all you have to do. Wow, SVP, promo code, boom, you're in the game. Single Game Showdown is the newest way to play. All you have to do is draft six players from the season opener, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Put your football knowledge to work, and you could win $1 million while watching the season opener. Plus, you get a deposit bonus up to $500 for all new and existing users. Download the app or go to DraftKings.com now. New users, put in that code SVP to receive a free shot at $1 million. Plus, all users can receive a deposit bonus up to $500 on their next deposit. That's code SVP only at DraftKings, the game inside the game. Minimum, $5 deposit required. Deposit bonus requires a 25-time playthrough. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com. So we didn't think we were going to do this, but actually really fired up that we did uh, the SVP Priscilla Pod. <laughs> People were like, wait a minute, what? So um, I just didn't want to make it this thing where you know we were just going over a lot of the same stuff. So instead, we did a retrospective. So I guess in a way, we kind of did that, but whatever. It's an hour of my man Van Pelt, uh, the final SVP and Priscilla Podcast. Okay, I'm going to try not to get sentimental. I know Scott and I have talked about this a little bit, but yeah, just because <laughs> I feel like, you know, we... I say goodbye to everybody, you know, 2017, December, you know, so that's, that's pretty much it. It's kind of the way I feel about it. And, uh, you know, I, I've actually, I don't know, I'm rambling a bit here, but it's just one of those things where I, I feel like people have been saying goodbye to me for over a year and a half. And I'm just like, okay, you know, like it's awesome. And it's, it's really nice to hear from everybody, but I think on a management side, I'd be like, all right, enough of this guy. So, I still anyway. want to sing one more time by Daft Punk really, really loud, but I, since I don't think you, we have the, uh, <laughs> Like the rights, I guess. Yeah. Then Saruti'd have to dump it. Like I can't sing that, can I? All right. Well, whatever. I, I don't. Why Daft Punk? One more time. That yeah, one. There we go. Not that. I think you can do that. I just did as it. Long as, as long as tonally you're not stealing any of the notes. I'm pretty so, sure I did as best as I could. The premise of this is going to be instead of some sort of topic, we're just going to do our ten best memories from the SVP and Rosillo years, oh <laughs> nine. To, uh, what was, yeah, it was 2015, right? Yeah. So, why don't you go first? I mean, where does one begin? Snake, snake draft, right? Yeah, right? Okay, right. so, uh, I mean, there's so many ways to go here. I, I'll just go, I'll start with this, cause I chose things that to me represent our show and represent us and represent like angst and grudge and all this stuff. Right. So all the things that, are, <laughs> that that we're trying to avoid. No, but see, here's the thing. Just but before we begin, as you said, th- this is to me, this is a this is like a fireworks celebration, man. Like we, we we've covered this with you guys out there that are listening. You got us, we got you, and it's been fun. And it would have been fun to run it back, but this is what it is. And now you're going to go do awesome stuff, and we'll all we'll celebrate that. But while we're at it, let's just have some laughs about what was. Let's start in Elgin. Shall we? <laughs> because okay. let's let's just say it this way. If somebody said to you, hey, 
Fellas, show's really doing great. Hey, we want to send you on a remote to Boston. What would be the geographic equivalent of of Elgin for Boston? Where would you actually be setting up shop to do the one to four? Outside of Worcester. There you go. Like, I don't even want to diss Worcester. I would say it's outside of Worcester. Right. And I don't want to diss Germantown, where I spent some of my formative years. But if we were going to go to D.C. and we actually got in the minivan and drove to Germantown, what we would not be doing is a remote in D.C. And so Elgin, for years, if you always... I mean, I think people mostly get our jokes, but it was just... It was sold to us as, hey, Chicago's really into it. They want you to come there. And let's be clear. The folks in Elgin were lovely. We went to, like, a sports bar. They couldn't have been nicer. I'm pretty they had, like, sure... like, an we, outdoor volleyball court and stuff. It was sick. It, yeah, and I think we got some sort of a taco salad that was really nice, and I had unlimited iced tea, and it was fine. It's just... When you're driving on the highway, and Chicago traffic's fascinating. It doesn't matter when you land at O'Hare. The traffic is always the same, and it's always awful. We were, And we were in it after the show, and we just kind of chuckled to ourselves about, ah, how about that Chicago remote? That's- There's actually another part of that that's even worse, um, which is <laughs> where, and for those who don't understand, like right after it was the Dan Patrick show, then it was the Tarico show, but it was Tarico with Herb Street, Michelle Tafoya, and then Scott, and then Scott had like this solo hour that was Scott's, that was the Scott Van Pelt show, and then Tarico moved on. I mean, it was Monday Night Football. I mean, it was a ridiculous schedule that he was trying to keep up, so it wasn't like there was anything wrong, but what happened was there were four O&Os, which are affiliates that were owned and operated by ESPN, and it was LA, New York, Dallas, and then it was Chicago, and... Really, the only way to judge, which seems absurd now, because I think it was absurd then, was to judge how successful you were or weren't as a show, was how you did in the O&Os. And so our only piece of real estate on an O&O affiliate was one hour in Chicago. So it was the middle hour of the show, and we were always trying to find ways to make Chicago feel like we were invested in them, and we loved it. You and I both would put that city easily probably in our top three when it's right, and when it's Chicago summer, it's tough to even beat it. And Waddle and Sylvie and all those guys were awesome to us, but... If we weren't doing well in Chicago or we weren't doing enough Chicago segments in that one hour, somehow the show wasn't successful. And it was mind-blowing because you're like, dude, we're on three hours and we're on all over the country. And yet, what is going on in Chicago? So it was the one thing we wanted to keep that relationship really strong. Yep. And so finally, like road show, here we go, SVP and Rosillo. This is going to be awesome out in Chicago. And we show up and we do a hit with Waddle and Sylvie to promote you know, everything we're doing. And the guys on air are like, where are you going? I forgot about this part. Yeah, and they go, Elgin? And I remember even Sylvie being like, why are they sending you to Elgin? That's exactly what they said. What happened? And then it dawns on us that, oh, this was the remote none of your shows wanted to do. Yeah. So you guys are sending the national dudes. And they were, like, making fun of us while we showed up. And there was, like, look, there was... It was always a weird thing because the battle was always that when I was your co-host, which you wanted more than anybody else... Yep. That there was just a lot of people who didn't want me to be your co-host, and I wasn't a big enough of a name. And, Who's he? And all these Who's things, that guy? It was it was everybody actually in management. I mean, and, it, and it's okay. And no, you know, I'm saying give, about you, like who 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 is he? Rosillo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. And I, I give Norby Williamson a lot of credit because you know he was like, look, let me vet this guy, and I met him, you know, for 30 minutes and we talked about the whole thing, and then after that it was like, okay, fine. And I think it was you getting exactly what you wanted, but there were so many shows where I were solo because you had this ridiculous sports center schedule. So there was always kind of like a hang up about, well, wait a minute, you know, what is the show if Scott's 
not there as much, and Ryan's doing these solo shows. And I remember I showed up to Chicago, and somebody in management at the station was like, hey, how's it going? I was like, great. He goes, your solo shows are terrible. He's like, have you gone back and listened to them? He's Ooh. like, we have to have you on that hour. I was like, awesome to be in Chicago. Great to see you. <laughs> so, and then this was our Chicago hour content. Right. Yeah, right there you go. Elgin. So we tried, we'd be like, White Sox, can we get a White Sox on? Can we, we get did. Burley on? Yeah, Beckham. Okay. All right. I'm going to do a positive one here. Chris Mullen calling in to invite me to the All-Star Celebrity Game. That was, as many of you know, Chris Mullen's my second favorite athlete of all time behind Charles Barkley. And to think of Chris Mullen, St. John's, early 80s, me being a little kid, buying a jersey, my father like, we're not going to go to Queens to go watch a St. John's game. We'll wait until they come to Hartford. And then you fast forward 20-something years later, and Chris Mullen surprises me to call into the show to be like, hey. And then it's one of those moments where you get really caught up in the day-to-day. You become numb to this. These guys that you you watched, these guys that you idolized, and then this moment where Chris Mullen is calling in. And it's harder to pick somebody who's actually as real and cool day-to-day as Chris Mullen is. That's I mean, so true. Had, remember, we were sitting in the studio, and it was a commercial break, and Jay-Z comes on, and it was his ringtone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and you just go, this, who is this dude? Uh, that was one of those things where you reading the room perfectly turned to me and go, that must have been really cool for you right then. I go, you know what? We don't let the moment sink in enough. I'm going to let that one sink in. So that was always one of my favorite things that have ever happened in the six years of the show. Let's keep the positive momentum going, and I'll just say Matt Damon, right? Oh, man. Okay, Matt Damon, interview for Invictus. Correct. Right? Yep, for Invictus, and we're taping it. And since we're taping it, we did we tell him we were going to do it, or did we just start doing it? Okay, um, not to ramble and take yours, but just a really important backstory is we were convinced we were going to do the Boston Accent interview with him. Yep. And we kept talking about it, and we were supposed to have him in studio. Mm-hmm. And we thought, okay, we can play this out. We can read his face. You know, because there's plenty of times where a guy who's famous would be like, oh, that'd be really funny. And the guy's walking out of the hallway being like losers. And when we found out we weren't going to have him in studio, we were going to tape it. You were like, no way. No way am I doing this. And I'm like, "Eh, come on. I was like, I know it kind of sucks, but whatever. Like if this means Matt Damon doesn't like us and we're not going to become friends and hang out with him, there's a pretty good chance that wasn't going to happen anyway. And so we did the interview normal. And then I just looked at you at the end and go, screw it. Let's just do it. Let's just do it. And you were mm-hmm. like, yeah. And you were kind of right to be like, I don't know, man. If this doesn't go over well, it's going to suck. And then we did it, and it was one of the best interviews ever. The the part where you hit him with the line. It's not your fault. And and there's a pause. And, and, and a lot can happen in a, in a, in a brief pregnant pause where you look, you look at each other and think, oh, boy, maybe that, maybe that fell flat. But then you hear him laugh like through his nose, right? Like you hear the, you hear the chortle of a guy who, and I think we all look at Matt Damon and who the hell knows? Like you see him on Kimmel, you see him the way he carries himself through life and you just assume that's a guy right there. It's the oldest cliche, but sit down, have a beer, whatever your version of that's just a normal dude that you'd, you'd love to just chew the fat with, right? That's who I think we all project him to be. And you hope that's who he is, but you never know. He could be the opposite of that behind closed doors. That laugh that you got in, in, in one second to me crystallizes, he gets the joke and he loved it. Loved it. He loved it. And it was one of those moments where you're like, this, it worked. It's awesome. The payoff is incredible. And 
it just, I don't know. You're right, because I don't know how many people it would have worked with. You know, there's there's plenty of famous dudes if that were the, his moment where he'd be going, oh, yeah, yeah, the bossy Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I haven't heard that one. I haven't heard that one from every local from Sacramento to Boise. Thanks. <laughs> right. Awesome. Cool. What is yeah. this, Chuckle Hutton, the coach? Because I was going to do that with Krasinski, Jim from The Office, and it was me and him. It was a solo show, and we were promoting, I think, his military movie, right? And this is after you you would bounce, but I I wanted to do an entire interview where I played it straight, but interviewed him as if he were actually Jim, as if the documentary, the show, was real. And that's like, next is- level. That's next level, Rosillo. Your commitment to the jokes and your commitment to not trying to tell people when you're being sarcastic is admirable. That would have been that would have taken like Daniel Day Lewis commitment to method acting, you know. To go, I thought I to could go have done all it. the way, right? Yeah, because I was just going to bring him in and be like, "We have Jim from the office." And be like, "Hey, this is crazy. You're an actor now. Like, I knew you were into sports and you wanted to move to Philly. <laughs> Why didn't like, you how, do it? How freaked out is Pam? Because I just you have this small window to read a guy, right? And if you don't feel like it's a hundred percent, you you kind of choke. And it was funny because then we got done and I played it straight and I, and I told him what I wanted to do. Krasinski's like, "Oh yeah, no way. That would have been funny." And it told me. That he would have not thought it was funny at all, and I'm glad. <laughs> I kind of still wish I had done it because who cares, right? But you're not gonna, you're not, you're not summering in the Hamptons with him either way. <laughs> like that isn't happening. I always hope to run into Damon at something. Like for the most part, we've run into a lot of these people a second time, and I always run into, like, hey, hung out, become buds yeah, with, whatever, right. however you want to frame it, produce something together. Because <laughs> I've seen Will Ferrell a few times on the sidelines since I did that interview with him for. Um, the ice skating movie where Blades of, Blades of Steel. I think that's the video game. Blades yeah. of Glory. Yeah. Let me put my poems in you. <laughs> <laughs> and you how know, did he, and how did he react when you saw him? Like, like, I, did, he I give never, the, did he give you the nod or no? Okay. So I've seen Vince Vaughn walking around Manhattan Beach twice. We've hung out with him. He knows the LSU guys. Mm-hmm. I hung out with him at a wedding that he was at that was my friend's wedding, and then I ruined it when I went over to say hello to him. Mm-hmm. We interviewed him about that. He started laughing. He was like, yeah, Drake Hotel. I've seen him twice walking around Manhattan Beach, and I know I have the in, but I try to make eye contact, and I can see him doing the don't make eye contact because I'm just i Vince Vaughn, and I'm trying to just pick up some dry cleaning and grab a sub. Yeah, I'm, so, I'm, I'm, here, I'm here to get an Italian. Yeah, right, right. No, no peppers. That's it. Hugh, Hugh Jackman was the one where you just go, oh, we can do whatever we want with this guy because he's that nice. He was fantastic. We, I, I had him send a picture to Kalf, my buddy in Chicago, who had been Wolverine for Halloween, and he held up the picture of my buddy, who, by the way, Kalf's more Jack than Jackman. He'd want me to say that, and I did. And he was well, every Halloween outfit has been some version of him with his shirt off for a decade and a half. So Wolverine which, was a no-brainer. Which credit to him for figuring out costumes that he can use every year that involve him not having his shirt on. But in this case, Jackman, and whether he was into it or not, he sold the way Damon sold that the joke was funny. Jackman sold that he was into uh, the bit, and, and he couldn't have been nicer. Yeah, Jackman was one of the all-time nicest. Uh, why don't you take another pick here for one of the celebrity ones that went horribly wrong? Uh there's only one. There's only yeah. one. It's, it's well, this one went bad. Hammer. Hammer time. Hammer don't hurt him. Yeah, Hammer. Um, and I'm trying to – you and I had a, had a conversation uh, about where it went wrong, and I blamed you, and you blamed – you didn't blame me. Let's just say neither of us were blameless, but when you early on asked the question about third base, it was clear 
that we took a, I felt like we took a U-turn in the wrong direction. Yeah, I wasn't great at massaging. I would try to do the good cop, bad cop with you is what we were known for in our interviews yeah, early on. Van Pelt's nice like, and Rasilla's going to come in with a hammer. Yeah, because I'd no be like, intended. Right, Scott did two nice ones. And then I go, so when third base just disses <laughs> you in a video, like what's that like? And he got so pissed. But he also was there promoting a reality show talking about how famous people go broke. So that was kind of the tone too. So it's like, well, of hey, you know, how do you – like you came here to promote your deal, and that's one of the things that ESPN that I always love ESPN for, which the celebrities never seem to understand, is that hey, guess what? The doors are still going to open no matter who shows up here. Okay, these shows are still going to do well without you. And sometimes celebrities would show up thinking like, man, if it wasn't for me, and you're like, no, not at all. Like it's awesome to see you, MC Hammer. Let's promote <laughs> your thing. But if your show is promoting people going broke, and you famously went broke. And made an like, ad where that was the joke. You got paid by one of these insurance companies. Like, life comes at you fast because you got broke. And ha, 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 you took the check. But the idea that we'd have the audacity to point out that that happened, which is the premise of what's going on. And I think there was something where he was going to pr- help, like, UCF guys invest. UCF yeah, that was the other thing he money? was going to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. that was what he wanted to talk. Hey, man. Sorry we didn't get the talking points, but, I mean, we're trying here. Yeah, because he also did, like, a, hey, I'm from Oakland thing to me, and it was like, oh, wow, like, this is kind of on, on. And then he had some people with him, yeah, and he was he was really mad at us. Yep. And he was, you're right, it, it, I I did not massage him into that interview at all. Yeah, but it wasn't our, like, that, you know what, like Matty D, it's not your fault. And it wasn't our fault. No, because at the end, too, it was so uncomfortable. It was. And this, this was not me blaming you. This was just me remembering the interaction where you had gotten up with him and, like, started shaking all of his people's hands. They're looking at me being like, who's this idiot whose name isn't even on the show? And, like, shaking hands and going, like, hey, no, we'd love to. When you have your UFC management group, like, let us know. We'd love to have you back on. Yeah, like, yeah. You were trying to save it a little bit. And yeah. Just- I had ruined it. No, and, and and I was just trying to spray perfume on a fart, man. It was over. Everybody knew it. We never talked to them again, and I'm sure their lives have been just fine, as have ours. It's, it was just eight eight uncomfortable minutes, which I don't know if that's a good segment for a name of a segment, but that's what they were. That would be really good if we just had everybody in on that, hey, this is going to be a really bad interview. I always wanted to do that, where the audience knew the interview was going to be terrible, but the guests didn't know. And that was the whole point, that you would do something where it's going to be eight minutes and you would just spend, I don't know, like... 11 to 14 uncomfortable yeah, I don't minutes. Know. And really stretch it out. Really draw out the pain. Yeah, I, I've had some ideas. I think I'll save them because I you don't should. want to steal them. <laughs> the Ronda Rousey interview was up there with MC Hammer because that went south as quick as anything I've ever been a part of, where the whole time, as Rousey's destroying everybody... It kept coming up, oh, she would beat Floyd Mayweather in a fight. And Dana White loved talking about it. She talked about it. And then it became an actual thing where it's like, wait a minute, could she actually beat up Floyd because she's bigger? And if it were octagon rules, like, would she be able to just take him down? Like, she's incredible, right? Her judo training, she trains with men, all of this different stuff. So the UFC hyped up that storyline. So to me, as we prep for that interview – it was actually part of the prep. We're like, don't you, don't we have to kind of ask this? This seems to be the thing everybody's talking about. Like, this will be fun. So Rousey comes in. She was in a good mood that day because she's done other interviews where you're like, oh, so you want to promote something all day and you hate everybody for asking questions? Like, all right, cool. 
because she's done that plenty of times since things have gone south in her career. But you were like, should we ask that question? I go, yeah, one of us has to ask the, the Floyd question, just kind of see where it goes. And the interview's great. The interview's great. You and I look at each other. It was a total flip of the coin thing where you ended up with the question, and you just said, well, this whole Floyd thing, would that be actually something you would want to do? And then she went so another lane with us where she said, I would never want to be a part of anything where a group of thousands of people were cheering a man um, to to be brutally going at it with a woman. And we're like, oh. Bum, like, bum, bum, bum. Like, oh. Yeah. Okay. Now we feel like. Well, we're not. Yeah, we're not to, human beings. We're not. We're not advocating that. It's just. No, it, we're not. It, it, it we're had not. been. A, it had been a talking point for your entire sport. Yeah. No, you guys have been promoting it as a as a as a promotional thing for the UFC for like a month. So we were just sort of batting that around. Part of yeah, that. right. Like it wasn't our idea. Okay. <laughs> yep. Like we we thought we were asking a question because you guys have been talking about it nonstop, and now we're jerks. Got it. More of Van Pelt here in a second, but first, Tommy John. There's a lot of underwear brands out there that claim to be big on comfort, but if that were true, then why are 75% of men and women dissatisfied with their underwear? My hunch is they haven't tried Tommy John, the revolutionary underwear brand that's upgraded over 1 million lives. Tommy John doesn't just claim to be the most comfortable underwear on the planet. They actually have the stats to back it up. Here we go. Stats about your underwear. Like, how about this number? Over 7 million. That's the number of pairs of Tommy John underwear they've sold with 96% of their customers rating them four stars or greater. With Tommy John's revolutionary underwear, the legs never ride up and the waistbands never roll down. Their horizontal quick-draw fly has been proven to save men over 217 unfurling minutes a year, and their feather-light air fabric guarantees zero visible panty lines for women. So everybody's winning in this one. And Tommy John is more than just underwear. They've got 750 products online, such as super soft loungewear, polo shirts, and apparel. I have a bunch of the t-shirts. They are awesome for anything that you want to do. Literally anything except maybe formal events. Tommy John is so sure you're going to love the fit and feel that it's backed by their best pair you'll ever wear or it's free guarantee. That means if you don't love your first pair, you'll get a full refund. Tommy John, no adjustment needed. Hurry to TommyJohn.com slash SVP now to get 20% off your first order. That's TommyJohn.com slash SVP for 20% off TommyJohn.com slash SVP. All right, your pick, I think. Um, Let's see. Let's keep let's keep going down the let's keep going down the 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 angst and the headbutting. I just have the fight where you and I and a break peeled the paint off the wall. Stanford Steve walked in and did the Homer Simpson's dad where he like puts his hat on the hat rack, turns right back around and walks out because whatever had been building between the two of us, we emptied the we emptied the tank screaming and yelling and uh I was out of bounds as I recall and then you you bit your lip and didn't come across the table and and rousey me, and then we had a great rest of the show. And I think from there, as I recall, it was sort of like we'd let the pressure out of the out of the tire, and we we kept on going. Is that one how you greatest, remember, is that how yeah. you remember it? No, it's one of the greatest recoveries ever. And to be in a room for six hours or six years, that many hours a day, and to have less than five fights, I think is. A huge testament to our friendship and us kind of understanding each other as well as we do. From I mean, two, from like two a, fairly volatile people. Right. <laughs> Alphas who, you know, certain days we're just, we don't want to, I'm not having it today. Nope. nope and nope. not afraid to let people know. <laughs> and yet we didn't really have that many fights, but that was, that was something that, you know, for you to be the established guy in the beginning and me to be trying to just prove to everybody like, Hey, I didn't sign up to be a sidekick. Like what's happening? And that, grinded at me forever and I did some things wrong 
where I just I didn't ease into it. I was like, well, if I've been picked, then let's roll, and I'm like ready to go, and I'm good at this, and let's do it. And you believed in that. It was always this battle early on, and that would build up stuff in me that really had nothing to do with you. And so then it would turn into, and this is something I've apologized to you for, I think, I hope numerous times, but just so everybody understands the core of that argument that day, was I would look at Steve if you asked a bad question. And it's such a jerk thing to do. It sucks. It's a bad teammate thing. I hate that I did it, and I did it. And you never called me on it until that day. And it was something that happened in the break. We come back. I looked at somebody behind the glass. You called me out on the air for doing it, which I deserved. And then I kind of went back at you, and then you screamed, give me another ghost dad on the air. (laughs) (laughs) And then we went at it, and I bit my lip. I actually started shaking a bit, and then we calmed down, and it was great. We needed it. Yep, that's, that's, that's how I remember it. But I think, I think that any, any partnership that involves the the number of hours, the number of creative kind of hurdles that you have to sort out when when you have people and you and I've said it forever and I'll say it one last time we're always the one that had the more creative energy to push the boundaries and I'm sure that got frustrating because you're dealing with somebody that is saying maybe ah we'll just talk about the game yada yada and so you of the fact that the number of times that that our voices really got raised and it got hostile was as few as it was is amazing. But there was that that one is is memorable because it was it we took the volume to eleven. Yeah, I just couldn't ever show up and be like, all right, yeah, you know, we'll just we'll bat it around. And we really didn't become a great show. I didn't think until we just relaxed, or you know what, I should say, I relaxed and go, hey, you know what we do? Just have more fun. Let's tell dumb stories. Let's just take it in a direction where it has to go. Where I'd be like, no, it has to be this way. It has to be this way. No, that's a bad idea. That's a bad idea. Stop debating it. It's a bad idea. Next topic. And I was like rigid, but I still felt like I was doing it the right way. But part of that was my own insecurity and trying to prove myself to all the people that didn't want me to be your partner. Mm -hmm. So you actually, seriously, dude, handled it like a champ. Thanks, Um, thanks, pal. This is a real minor one. You're not going to remember until I tell you now because it was just so weird and out of character for me. But we were doing some speaking engagement at some ad agency or something in New York City, and I just dropped an F-bomb in the middle of it to warm up to the room. And nice. it was so awkward and weird. And then you just looked at me, and you were like, whoa! <laughs> and it actually wasn't – it didn't play well at all. They, they weren't ready for it? No, it was it was an awful read on the room. Like, we were sitting up there in director's chairs. We were going back and forth, and – we were getting a real good vibe, and I, I kind of did this thing in my head. I was like, man, this is really loose. Like, these people are really digging us. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, you know, and the next thing you know, friggin' blah, 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 blah. And Play- you were like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I think it was in front of advertisers, too. Yeah, you know. So, um, that's fine. That's just a tip for the kids listening right now. Never be so comfortable in front of a group that you just start dropping an F bomb in front of potential advertisers. Right. Wait until, wait until the cocktail. Let hour them say the first. There you go. All right. That's put so that Rudy, put the, write that down. Let's write that mark time mark 404-28. Yeah, so Rudy was like, "Let me know when he swears." Right so there. I can take that well, yeah, I'm just swearing in, in, in to well, you swore, so I'm doing the swear. Let's talk yeah, up, okay. let's talk about lists. Okay. So we were, me. we were doing lists of the top 5 players at various positions and Summer I, Radio. Exactly. I mean, the, hey, shout to our friends um Big Cat and uh, PFT over at over at Barstool. I mean, some like their whole thing about Rushmore season is a take is is taking the idea that summer radio or summer podcasting 
that's what you've got. You're creating stuff. You're you're making lists. You're you're finding things where there's nothing. And so we were we were putting together a list. Uh, I hope it was in the summer. It might not have been. It might have just been the fact you know that what? I suck at lists. I'm saying it because it really was. I mean, that's list season. Hey, you know, I can just I give you a thousand greeny teases being like, coming up next, the six ways to fix baseball. But first, (laughs) you won't believe. Yeah. You know what? I probably will. I'll probably. There's one Josh McCown stat that will blow your mind. (laughs) Well, when when we did the top five um, small forwards. And that was a good greeny. Uh, We did the top five small forwards and I didn't include Kevin Durant because in my mind, I don't know. He's tall, so that meant he was a power forward. So, um, and Steve saw. And my, he's your favorite player. Yeah, he is. He is. Um, and then Steve saw my list, and he just let me do it because he knew it'd be funny to let me do it wrong. And to this day, I, I mean, the good thing is it's still it's still the con- it's the content that keeps giving because anytime something comes up on television where I mention a list, I'll say it's not you know there's not my strong suit, um, because I'm bad at them, and uh, and that proved it. I just I think to this day that. To, to miss out on a guy that I've always said I enjoyed watching more than anyone else and put him in the wrong position just because he was tall in my mind. Or, I don't know. I don't know. That's, I did that. That happened on the show. Well, because you had left off somebody on a previous list. Yeah, and I, I was. And it you, was yeah. it was a Ginobili at two guard or something. Whatever it was, it was bad, but it wasn't that bad. It was it was significant. It was like a miss, right? Yeah. And so sure. we, we kind of had fun with it. And then that's why the Durant thing was an even bigger payoff. Because I was shook. Because I show up, and Steve goes, dude, you're not going to believe this. He goes, here's his list of small forwards. And I went, wait, what? I was like, there's no Durant. And he goes, I know. I'm not going to tell him. Thanks. And I was like, all right, good. I was like, yeah, you can't. Thanks, and then Chris. you were like, what are you talking about? You're like, he's the power forward. Yeah. And we're like, Abaka? And you oh, go, yeah. oh, Serge Abaka. <laughs> Yeah, so that happened. Small ball, five, though. You know, uh, power yeah. forward. I mean, there's times he might be like in a four roll. <laughs> okay, will you do uh, – I have my checklist here. you got to do Fort Worth. I don't want to take it. You need to do Fort Worth. Okay. ECU guy? No, no. no. Oh, oh, oh. Well, uh, ECU guys is, is a positive thing. I may say that. That may be my last thing. The stair, the stairwell in Fort Worth. This along the lines of Elgin um, – is 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 it's up there because we went to Fort Worth for our first Super Bowl remote, right? Was yeah. that our first? No, Miami was our first one together. Mm-hmm. Fort Worth was our second one. That's when we were still pretending to do the show on ESPN two before they took it from us, like it was our fault, right? Ratings were our fault or something. I don't know. Whatever it was, we we were in Miami. We, was like, yeah, it was like a real show. Yeah, it was unbelievable. We had runners and stage people. We had a researcher. I mean, it was nuts. Miami, that Miami Super Bowl week is, is seriously one of the most just fun, encompassing. This is a huge deal. I'm on the rise, and this is going to be amazing. And then Fort Worth happened. Then we went to Fort Worth, and they had a marquee that listed the shows that were there, and they listed Mike and Mike, and they listed The Herd, and then they listed NFL Live or whatever was on. It was in lieu of us. And there was actually a good reason for that because there was a set – that they'd set up to do to use for television, and we weren't allowed on it. So they had to find us auxiliary accommodations, which were, and when I say this to you, you'll think this is like a metaphor, or you'll think that I am I'm a guilty of hyperbole, uh, which which definition is exaggeration for effect. There is no exaggeration here. We were set up on uh, the outside of a parking garage's stairwell. 
Now, when you're thinking, wait, what are you talking about? Well, walk up the steps to that flat part in between where you go up, you turn around, and you go up. On that part, the flat part, they put a desk, and they put a camera halfway up the steps, and they had just sort of a flapping in the breeze backdrop behind us, and they're like, here you go. Go get them. And we just looked at each other like, is is this a – wait, no, this – we can't – that was where we – that's where we were set up. It was going to be a week of shows. And you know how, like, when the elevator doesn't work in a parking garage <clears throat> and you have to take the stairs and you go, oh, cool, there's also a urinal here and a recycling center, which it, is not what it is. It's just it was – Like, it was – it, it, it was a functioning stairwell for people that were using it. It was in use. It was not shut down. People had to get past us, and we were trying to conduct – Commerce. We were hosting a program on a stairwell. Fifteen hours worth of programming, and so God intervened. God intervened, right? And then you know the marquee kind of set it off. And I was always in a weird spot because I couldn't get madder than you when my name wasn't on the deal, and it was like you know you're you are were and continue to be like you're the star. So I was like, okay, this sucks, but I can't get madder than Scott. So what's Scott going to do? And you were upset that first night when we saw it. And then it was like, oh, this isn't like last year we're sharing the beach set with Countdown <laughs> in Miami. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm going, dude, do I even deserve this? This is insane how real this feels to the next year where it's like, actually, here's your stairwell. And the one thing that was always kind of the deal is you'd be like, you couldn't have told us this ahead of time. And instead, the first day, they're like, hey, this is a great setup. And everybody's looking at you being like, I can't believe how terrible this is. But yet you're being told, look at the view. Look how great the view is. You have a view of everything. Oh, that's like, right. What was behind us was some sort of whatever the Fort Worth. Fan fest. Yeah, there you go. Whatever. There you go. Right. And I remember Tony Dorsett coming up to be like, are you guys kidding me? Yeah. That was that's a tough one for like a Hall of Fame type talent to sort of apologize as he's walking up, and there's like a wino peeing in the stairwell. That didn't happen. That is actually a metaphor. There was no peeing wino, um, but there could have been. That if if you were a wino looking to take a leak, that's where you'd go. But then what happened? God intervened because God is good every day. God, yeah, God sent the coldest weather ever to and that an part ice of the storm. state. Ice storm. An ice storm. It was nuts. I remember being at a Madden party in a car, and the guy threatened to just drop us off on the highway and go home because it was too dangerous for him, and people were screaming at him. Um, and, and then the uh, set, like the stuff collapsed. Remember, there was like ice, and there was yeah, like yeah. ice I accretions mean, and whatever. And then they they deemed it to be unsafe. I don't think for us, but for the people that had to do the actual work. And then they put all of us indoors. And but you're you're so right because everybody knew that like they're trying to say, hey. You guys get steak, and you guys get steak, and you guys get steak, and you guys get a hot dog. and A no, used hot dog. Yeah, a hot <laughs> Used for what? Let Just your mind, wa- bites, let your mind wander. Um, and that's what they served us. And everyone, they, they had to know. And I, I just remember, I'll never understand how or why that happened. But again, it was the, we, we ended up going inside. Yeah, we went inside and... I think to end it on a positive is that what those ESPN on the ground people can do, whether they're out of Bristol or they're remote people or they're freelance people that are hired in that part of Texas, because we spent, I spent so much time in Fort Worth because mm-hmm. that whole Sumner Square thing was apparently like a big Disney stockholder who was just like, whatever ESPN needs, like, let's do it. And that first college football playoff deal, we were down there. They were trying to turn that into the Super Bowl. There was a party. I mean, the whole thing was, 
like let's try to mimic the Super Bowl thing. So I have more time in Fort Worth than I think I'd ever imagine that I ever would. But for the crew to just take an office, which was part of ESPN's headquarters, and just turn it into a TV studio all day long was ridiculous. And that was was amazing. Shout out to you. Seriously, it was like let's get some antlers and some pelts, hang those in the back, and then <laughs> That's uh, we're going to bring, we're yeah, gonna bring some, Don Shula by. Sure, some like southwesty looking rugs, and, yeah, big old skull on the wall, and off you go. Anybody got any boots? Throw some boots there in the corner. Because that's when Don Shula came by. He's like, "Is this the show with the heads? Is this because we had our our promotional thing where we had those those right, B those rolls of people running around with those huge heads of us?" And he was Shula into it. Was, Shulo thought it was the funniest thing he'd ever seen, and then he comes by. He's like, I like this show. This is the show with the big heads. That's us. Because I watch it every day. We'll finish up with Van Pelt here, but it's now time to talk ZipRecruiter. Hiring is challenging, but there's one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart, a place where growing businesses connect to qualified candidates. That place is ZipRecruiter.com slash SVP. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash SVP. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash SVP. ZipRecruiter.com slash SVP. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Who's the jerk? I remember being in College Station. We were headed back to whatever hotel we were at. We had done the show. It was ridiculously hot. It was also awesome because the game day TV people, depending on how that relationship was going, at the time, because sometimes there'd be people on game day TV that were like, you the clowns from radio again? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yes, we yep. need a, I need a bottled water and a pen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> is there any chance I can have a used pen yep. from you guys? And I, it was definitely hot. We wore those, those, um, those cooling vests that pump cold water throughout this vest that you would put on underneath your shirt. It was nuts. As an aside, you need to get you one of them because when you do it, it's life-changing. Like the, It's it's just what it sounds like. It's like a radiator for your body, and you put it on, and this cold water pumps through, and it's like you think you could do anything. It's unbelievable, and we were really thankful for the TV people letting us borrow those. But it was hot, so maybe it was the heat that was getting to me, and we were walking back to the parking lot. I'm like, I have this idea for a segment. And that's, I just used to be like that all the time where I go, I want to try this. Let's do this. Let's do this. And I know sometimes it was annoying, but I felt like the hit rate was still pretty good where I go, I think there's, we should just do this thing where it's back to back full segments where we just lay it all out and we ask each other who's the biggest jerk out of everybody that works on the show. Cause it'll have a lot of interaction with the people behind the scenes, which I know is sort of frowned upon until the people behind the scenes prove that they can be heard on the radio and then everybody loves the idea. And you're like, ah, I don't know. And then I remember my dad being like, this is a career ender. He's like, do not do this. You guys are all going to get way too personal, way too nasty. He's like, don't do it. And as I map the whole thing out, I'm like, no, we're just going to go around in order and ask the other guy a question that's historically something that he's done that he's a jerk about. And we're just going to let it all hang out. And then you and I had another moment where we go, maybe we shouldn't do this because this could get hurtful, nasty, and who knows, like, where are the stakes on this thing? Like, who's going to cross the line? And then I was just like, you know what? Let's just do something, though. Let's have a moment with this show. You know, we'll figure it out. Hopefully we won't hate each other forever. 
And it is one of the things I'm most proud of in those six years because it worked perfectly. We nailed it. It couldn't have gone better, and we actually didn't hate each other after the fact. That's the most amazing part of it because I was like you. The reason that I had this angst, and I there was we we were going to do it, and then we we kind of shelved it. Not not that we put it on hold. I think we just we just felt like we needed to come to a place where we really understood. Well, are there rules or not? Like, are we going to do stuff that you just can't walk away from? Because that could have happened. And I I'm with you in terms of how memorable it was to me and how crystal clear I can recall when I went in on Ray and Ray was our producer and and who's the jerk was perfect because it was it was us at our most us it was all inside jokes and yet the people that were listening or watching they were they got them right they knew what we were talking about and when I went in on Ray, who was our producer, who was notoriously stingy with praise, and when you started doing the Rosillo laugh, it isn't like the polite like chuckle, it's the full on, oh my God, you're really going to do this to him bit. I'll never forget, you're like, oh my God, you're going to do it. And then I did. And I asked him how many times did he ever tell us in the history of our show that we had done a good segment. And he kind of started to try to mumble, and then I just was firing back. It was zero, Ray. Zero. The answer is zero because he stalled on his answer. You're like, how many times have you ever said we've had a good segment? How many times? And he's like, uh, zero, Ray. The answer, the answer is zero. <laughs> and it was true. And I think he kind of, I think we all owned the fact that the stuff that was being asked of us was accurate, right? It yeah, because it got, it got, like, Stanford Steve is still taking some hits on the recycling thing. I don't want to revisit that because we brought it up again recently with Saruti, and it was, like, great. And I think that – and Steve has since upped his game. He's putting all his plastic bottles away. He's really um, into recycling, you guys. He is. Nobody – that guy's – Earth Day rolls around. That guy's taking the day off. All green. So there was that. I think he said – oh, Steve hit me with the one. He's like, who hates you more, men or women? <laughs> that was an incredible question. What an incredible question from Steve. Who hates you more? Men or women. Like, not a specific subset. The species. The two genders. Which of them hates you more? Think of how incredible that is from the mind of Stanford Steve. Huh? Oh, my God. It was so good. Uh, it was so good. Mm. Do you remember the answer? No. I do. What'd you say? Because I said, you know, wow. I, you know, really, I, we didn't know what any of the questions were going to be ahead of time. No, we right? didn't. So we didn't. I go, um, I go, well, I, go, I think the best way to answer that is that in the beginning, guys don't like me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then if you, if you get it, if you get invited inside of the, the hard candy exterior there, I can be a great, great friend. Um, I'm, I consider myself one of the most loyal guys. If, if you're yeah, my guy, much like you, like you're my guy. And on the other you know, hand, on the other hand, I think in the beginning, girls are like, "This guy's amazing! Like, yeah. look at all these interests. He's he's got he's got multiple real estate investments. Look at all those books about history. Hey, hey he reads books all the time. He's actually not pretending to be a writer. He really is one. He the, works out. The Buttress of Windsor. He has. <laughs> he goes on these elaborate trips. He has access to all of these things. And then, and then it's like, oh, yeah, yeah." Some closed doors in that house, but you're opening like, them up. You're opening them up. Mm, you know, I don't know about that. Um, just trying so to, I, I, trying I to let the light some, in. That's I think a Leonard it was sort Co- of a tie. That's a Leonard Cohen line. The, the, the cracks. It's where. That's that's how the light gets in. So that's that's what that's about. There you go. That's a good one. Um, 
I still have a few more of you. So do I. So do okay. I. I have a. Uh, I have one that's just a totally goofy thing. Where was the chair collapse? Was that New York City when the chair collapsed on your foot? Yep, New York. Yeah. That was uh, the New York remote for the – that was the Seattle blowout against Denver Super Bowl. That was a good week, by the way, too. Uh, it was fun because we were in the city. We had a great studio deal. But this, the chair broke and slowly caught my foot in this thing where it was basically like grabbing the top of somebody's foot and bending it backwards against their leg. And that's what the chair was doing. And it happened while we were on TV. And I could tell it was happening. And so it was horrifying because it was. I knew that there was excruciating pain that my, that my co-host was going through. And then yet, because I'm a guy, there's part of it that's funny because it isn't happening to me, right? Yeah, I do think I actually it hurt so much that I got I got mad. Sure, you a did a little bit. Like sure, I was threw mad. A, threw I a just pen. Want, threw a pen. Slam. Yeah, it. like it killed. You know what was great though is that at that age, I wasn't hurt for two months after. <laughs> As a right, and and now this but, thing sucks. There's now. not yeah. Oh. There's not enough CBD. By the way, still popping those pills. I don't know if they're helping or not, but I am going through them like candy. Uh, but you need you'd need a lot more than CBD to make that pain go away now at this age. Yeah, right. I would have to get on the high test stuff from, from the research that I've done, but I'm still I'm still very proud of the bench press numbers being totally natural. Although I can't do them anymore, so whatever. You don't um, do max days. You just go you go reps for for right? Don't you? No, I was just doing it the other day. I was like, you know, maybe I'll throw two seventy five on it, see how it feels. And I just as soon as I got done with something a little bit lower than that, I went maybe not. I'm like yeah, I'm like you know you you could do it, but your left pec may also rip off too because yeah. there's some lingering thing there. It's seriously every all right enough of this because I can't even talk about it. But somebody the other day was like, "Oh, do you work out?" And I was like, "I try." All right, workout topics, good stuff. My father, by the way, be like, "Hey, I think you guys talk about the working out thing a little bit." Yeah, that's all right. Your pop had a good read on us. He was he was awesome supporter at all times, which we appreciated. He did think he was like this whole you're a jerk meathead thing. <laughs> he goes, you know, I know it's kind of funny and you think it's true. He goes, it's not really who you are. He's like, you know, I just think nationally you're, you're pretending. I go, I'm not really pretending. I go, I do have some of that in me, man. Like, let's not kid ourselves. He's like, yeah, but you're, you're ignoring all the good things that you do, the stuff you do for your family. And I was like, yeah, cause that's a good segment. Right. It's a hard one. <laughs> Coming up next, all the ways Ryan's great. <laughs> but first this from DraftKings. <laughs> Remember the well we had the Sam Adams reads, speaking of reads. Oh, how about Brute? Those were good ones. Brute, Brute was great. Brute, Sam uh, Adams. We were, we were, we moved we moved uh we moved inventory. Remember that heavy metal band where we just read it in heavy metal voice the whole time? Yeah. <laughs> like, do you guys even realize what's coming out December twenty ninth? I do remember <laughs> that. Who was that for though? I'd see that's the thing is they were really off the radar. So we were pumped that they bought some ad time. Oh yeah. Um but we just went with it. And it would always be the kind of thing where, like, hey, no, no. And then the advertiser would be like, hey, actually, they loved it. So do that more. Uh, let's see here. Smaller one, it was one of these early creative days where you look back on it and you go, you know, I don't really need to do this anymore. When we would do the college football helmet reveal, mm -hmm. and we would pick a game on the schedule, we would try to not tell the other guy, which I don't even know why we cared. And... We'd had those boxes, like literally cardboard boxes that were big enough to cover two helmets. Because that and, was the budget. Because that's what we had, right. And then we put like your ad here, whatever. And we would unveil it. And then whatever game you picked, then everybody would actually think you were going to that game. And on social media, that fan base would freak out. But like, I can't believe it. Van Pelt's coming to Toledo. Yeah. I used another Toledo joke there. People in Toledo know what's up. Do you remember that? Of course. Probably not. 
Oh, yeah, no, no, probably... of course. That was that was the very, very early days when we were in the Mike and Mike studio really pretending we were on TV, and we had the box that, that we just hit it under, which if you look back on it, I mean, I was, I was kind of like low-hanging fruit segment fodder, but we... Yeah, I mean, we we definitely. I think people we're just trying to have a thing, you know. Yeah, exactly. The, the beginning of the show was like, hey, we need some big build up reveal deal. But the reason I bring it up is that actually was the origin of the helmets. Because Correct. Then Colgate sent us a Colgate helmet, and I think they were playing Yale. I just remember doing Eastern Michigan, and they got every. They, they were really struggling, but they were so happy that we showed their helmet. Like that's the level it got to. Even if you like, you locker we, rooms. We could be like, t- remember this yeah. before scholarship videos. Yeah, different programs started showing us videos of their locker room reacting to you showing which helmet matchup you actually weren't going to. Because I don't think you went to any of them. No, I didn't. It was just it was just performance art. You did a Wyoming one where the AD called me and said, "Is there any way if we send Van Pelt a private jet, he'll come?" <laughs> That's a that's a long, even with I'm serious even with private aviation like we're a long way from Laramie folks like lots of jet fuel. I had I was like, look, man, I was like, you know, he doesn't go to any of these games. And you're like, well, it'd be a really big deal for us. And then of course there was a little spiteful part of it with me because I was like, you know, I was kind of the the first Dax Crum Wyoming thing. You invented it, and, and then I and, hijacked the bit. Well, they allowed you to hijack it because it was like, well, that's hey, Rosillo. If you stop by, we'll get you. Couple general admission in the 100s, but if Van Pelt's going to show up, we're going to send him a jet. We're going to get the citation 10 up at 40,000 feet for him. Okay, <laughs> he's speaking, not coming. You're out. Speaking uh, of uh, of Chicago again, <laughs> I still have more Chicago material. Good, empty the bucket. This is it. Once, so the go ahead. The first two years, I was on like a weird whatever deal, and then. There was like this thing that was happening where there was there was maybe a, a shift where it's like, you know, look, we can do better than Rosillo. I know some of the stuff that was happening behind the scenes that you would not tell me about because you didn't want to have me be in a worse mood that day. Let's and, just say some really stupid things were, th- were that I just would say, absolutely not. I'll quit. Yeah, and all of them involved me not being on the show anymore, I imagine, right? Uh, they wanted, yeah, they were trying. Like, what about this? No, how about no? Right, right. So... That was happening. Um, I think it describes me a lot. So for the people that didn't understand like who this dude was just with a highlighter going to the salad bar every single day and not saying hello to anyone, I was like, well, I'll just work really, really hard and focus on things, and that'll solve all my problems. And if there's a kid out there listening, that doesn't work. Go to Building 4, knock on doors, say hello to all the decision makers because that's way better than just saying, hey, I know who the MAC teams are on every Tuesday game. So... uh we had a manager that came by, which this is amazing, because this is kind of how my whole thing got saved, is he walks in in a commercial break, shows our rating in one rating quarter in Chicago, and we had jumped 25% for whatever reason. And this stuff can be as, as fragile as the Cubs sucked that that two-month stretch, or um, you know somebody got traded from, from the basketball team and, and their free agency thing was boring. That's that's how tenuous this stuff can be. And then all of a sudden, we had this really good Chicago hour rating number, and I got re-signed. That was it. That was it. It had nothing to do with any of the digital downloads, which we beat everybody. It had nothing to do with any of the like the growth of the show. Hey, we like it. We These are the things. We could do all these different things. No, no, no. You guys went up like 25% in one rating book on the one hour that we care about. So let's re-sign, Rosillo. Damn. And that was it. 
we should have done we should have done better in Chicago. We would both be in, just on the beach somewhere by now, right? Well, technically, I already am. And so, uh, whoa, whoa, yeah, that is yeah, true. That is true. And moving on to bigger and better. Um, I have I have this one last thing that's just really a catch all. It's like a catch all for for us for our show. For the people that are still listening right now to this podcast, that were so excited that we were gonna that we were gonna run this back. And by the way, I, I, I'm just we only did a couple, but you don't care about the numbers. But but it's nice for us to see how many of you downloaded it to listen because you were excited to to, to hear us together again. Like that means a lot. And and you all are summed up in my mind forever by one picture, and that is back to Fort Worth. And one guy on January the 13th, 2015, on a cold day in Fort Worth, because they were all cold, standing by himself, holding up a sign that said ECU. And the reason that that is the catch-all in the metaphor is it doesn't mean anything. And yet, if you get it and you appreciate the kind of completely random nature of one dude standing up the day after Ohio State beat Oregon holding up an ECU sign by himself in Sundance Square, like, if you get that, then you get the us. And I got, I think it's funny right now that that this person did that. I don't know what, I still don't know why he did it, what it represents, and I don't care. He was the only guy there. He Like, this one is not an exaggeration. Person. One person was in attendance because it was another one of those ridiculous, that was also a crazy cold week that we were doing that remote, and that was the college football playoff. Where week, we smelled like barbecue the whole week because we sat next to an open barbecue pit the first day, and we reeked of barbecue the whole week because of that. You remember? Yeah, we had runny noses, we were freezing, and then other shows started going inside, and it was so cold, and then I had said something in front of somebody who I don't even remember his name. Where I go, I, yeah, I go, this is brutal. And then he actually said to me, he goes, why don't you go back to Bristol then? What's the point? And I, <laughs> I was like, hmm. okay. That's not you the know, answer it, we were looking for. Right. And then I even said, I go, well, the difference is, man, is that we're sitting there for three straight hours. So this isn't NFL live. Like this isn't a few segments and 30 minutes. This is three straight hours of sitting there outside, also in front of a freaking smoker. So yeah, like we could tighten some things up. And then ECU guy came, comes by with one, like, Again, we're in Fort Worth, and a kid spray paints in purple letters ECU on a whiteboard <laughs> and just holds it in the background to get into the shot. And you and I like just started dying laughing. That's the that's the person. That, right. That, that's the person who got dump or got sweats and balls or got if I buy a candy back and I use your dumper. They got the they got the jokes and they got what this was because we got that guy and. Maybe that guy just was on a goof. Hey, I'm here. I went to East Carolina. I don't care. You, sir, represent something more to me, which is everybody out there that turned up to say hello or came to remotes or sent us tweets or even the mean ones or was out there downloading the show or listening to the show through the years. Like that to me is it didn't have to be the biggest. It just had to be the goofiest, the most most obscure or maybe the cleverest in a weird way. Uh, that guy for me will always represent uh, the idea of what this time, whether it was on radio or here or anywhere else, was. Yeah, that's that's really perfect. And I don't I don't want to. I have other stuff, but like you know, your first LSU Bama game where, um, Ugh. it was McCarron who threw against that blitz on the left side, and it was just like the perfect play call. And the LSU people, as much as it was disappointment, it was like, man, this was the best it's ever been. And that was, I think maybe twelve. 
Yeah, yeah, it was 2012. It was McCarran to Yeldon, and there was yeah. that one tiny little section in Baton Rouge of, of the people with the Alabama Shakers, and they made as much noise as they could because it was the first time they really dared to make any noise at all. But that, that, and I've said it, and it's still to this day, that's the best environment for a sporting event that I have ever seen. The sustained level of enthusiasm, and I'm talking about from the morning for game day up until the moment that Bama scored at the end, and they're the million-dollar bands playing the fight song, and, and they, they somehow stole that win. That's the best sporting environment I've ever been in. And that was thrilling for me to have you get to see it because I was like, man, I can't wait. And, you know, everybody down in Baton Rouge, I mean, we've been over it a million times. It feels like another place where, you know, there's there's a lot of places you can visit. There's a lot of places that you can go, hey, I really like it. And it's funny because the LSU people that I'm friends with are like, you don't even hate Alabama. I go, no, I don't hate Alabama. No. Like, I, they're so nice to us and – I don't know how you couldn't respect what they do, and Saban was awesome to us all the time. Like, I actually really like going to Tuscaloosa, but there are very few people or very few places in the world that you can go to, and I don't want to say because it's corny to say and it feels like home because it's not, but to roll in and feel so comfortable because the people there want you to feel that way and for then you to get to share it with us a couple years later after we had been talking it up forever, being like, you got to get down here, man. It's nuts. Um, it was all that and more. Yeah. So there's a lot of other little things. And, you know, sometimes when I think about the show where it's like, all right, you guys, it was four years ago. But every time, whether it's the podcast numbers and everything comes out, like it just kind of it. Yeah. I mean, it's a little bittersweet because you're like, damn it. Like we actually have a thing with you and I where I would put it up against anybody. And yet, you know, the things happen. And, and I don't, I don't want to start going down that road because I actually, you know, feel really good about everything. But it's, as you should, it's, it's as not you should be. It's not going to be a thing where it's like, man, it's just you only get these things so many times in life, at least professionally, especially the kind of stuff that we do where you're like, hey, this is a thing that's actually like for all the people that brainstorm and say, let's try this. Maybe we do this. Maybe we put this person on the show. Let's try this slot. Let's try the topics all these different ways. We'll bring in different writers, different producers. I mean, it happens all the time and very few of them actually work. So, yeah, I'm, I'm um, I don't want to say I'm emotional about it because maybe I am a little bit, but it just, I don't know. I, I really wish... Uh, well, whatever. I mean, never's a long time, so I'm not going to say never. The satisfaction ought to be that the hardest thing to do right now, the hardest thing to do in this business, this fractured environment of all this noise and all these people that are putting out content, the hardest thing to do is connect with people out there and have them want to consume it. So I, to me, the satisfaction is that we long ago, some of the stuff that we're revisiting, and, and right now to this last moments, you and I did that. So I look at it and go... All right, uh, I, I'm I'm content with the content, and uh, I, I'm I'm one of those folks that in this silly business believe that uh, paths have a way of crossing again, and um, I assume that they will. And until they do, I'll be as I said in a tweet, I'll be pulling for you and enjoying all the content that you produce, and uh, just trying to figure out a way to convince you to come back on TV sometime. We'll let a little time pass and see if that works out. Well, you know, I'm up for it, and I'm sure we can figure something out. So uh, it's not really goodbye. It's no. just a different address. So, there you go. My man. There you go. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as Van Pelt and I did. Uh, we were pumped about that one. Also, make sure you check out the Woj pod uh, a month plus in. The guy's crushing it with all the GMs and everybody from around the league and the Zach Lowe, Lowe Post podcast as well. And that'll do it. 